All right, and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. It's another one of our uh, little <laughs> panel discussions. I like our panel discussions. <laughs> I think they're fun. They stress me I out a little bit. To these. I know you get so much more nervous than I don't have. The, I don't have the spoons, which is a nice segue into what we're going to be talking yes. about. I don't have the spoons to get nervous, and we will talk about that in a second. We are going to be talking this week about misconceptions a lot that people have about when you have an invisible disability. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of things like people's things people say to us all the time um, and <laughs> things that, you know, even some things that we feel about ourselves when we have an invisible disability that, you know, that the world has one view of things. And this is our kind of chance to say this is actually our reality. And we won't even charge you guys for the therapy that we're going to be getting from this. So this is an excellent episode for anyone who has people in their lives who don't understand what they're going through. This is a great episode to send out to them. Yeah. This is a great episode for all of you fellow Spoonies who just need a Me Too moment. Yes. Um, but this is a good one to share. So please do us a favor and send this to someone you think would like to hear it. So we are going to jump directly in. Um, spoon theory. theory. So Spoon Theory um, came up with this woman, and I have completely misplaced her name. Um, her website is butyoudontlooksick.com. Christine, and I'm going to butcher her last name, I'm sorry, Miserandino? No, like her her website name is Divine. And yes. you're going to hear us, and you have heard us reference Spoon Theory, and I will put a link of the two her website, I can talk today, <laughs> to her website in the show notes. You might want to take a look at it, but you will hear us use this theory all the time. So, Well, yeah. hear us because he was the good one, did all the research, is going to explain it for you. But you'll hear it <laughs> in a lot of different ways. And even some of us more geeky people will use like 10-sided dice theory. But yeah. it all goes back to Spoon Theory. So Spoon Theory, she was at a diner with a friend, and she was talking about how hard it is to get through an average day, and the friend really wasn't getting it. And she described what was on hand, which was spoons. She gave her twelve, her friend 12 spoons and said, okay, this is what the energy you have to get through the day. And she's like, she asked her friend to start listing off the things that she would do in an average day. And the friend started off with like going to work. And she's like, no, 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 no. You have to start off like getting out of bed. <laughs> and so she had her friend walk through all the things she had to do to get up, get out of bed, get ready for work, everything else. And so as she did each of these things, her friend said she, each of these things she was going to do she would take away a spoon. And out of the 12 spoons she started with, just getting out the door took six of those spoons. And I asked you if this person had children because no. uh, any of you moms out there know that any of these activities with kids, you're going to lose a whole bunch more spoons. So, yeah, she just kind of showed her how, you know, you don't realize that just sometimes when, you're, when you wake up and you're already in pain, you haven't slept well. So you feel tired and getting up, getting ready, getting the, you know, breakfast. Because if you don't have breakfast, you can't take your meds, you know, so that you have to have breakfast when you can't skip breakfast because you have to take meds that require you to take them with food. Mm -hmm. So there's another thing you have to do. The medication timings. Yes. (laughs) So anyway, she kind of laid this thing out and it became kind of caught on as this idea to explain to someone who doesn't have um, a disability how hard it is to get through a day. And yes, you can borrow, you know, spoons against tomorrow sometimes. But, you know, if you already have trouble getting through a day with your 12 spoons you started with, how hard is it going to be tomorrow when you borrowed two extra spoons and now you start off tomorrow with only 10 spoons? And that's just saying that spoons are static. You don't get a certain amount of spoons each time. Like, I will wake up some days or not even. I had a really bad week and I had no spoons. There was was very little moving. So we went from, like, almost no moving 
and zero spoons on wake up to like three or four days after once I got my pain levels under control, I had a lot of spoons. And the problem I always get is I have a lot of spoons means I should absolutely start doing everything I miss doing and spend every spoon that there ever was. Yeah, this uh, something happened to me recently because I have uh, chronic bronchitis. So mm-hmm. whenever I get a head cold, it can get into my chest. I can cough really bad. So I know when I start seeing the first signs of it, be careful. So we'd been with family over Thanksgiving and I had a head cold and I woke up in the middle of the night with my chest feeling tight and feeling like there was already phlegm getting into my chest. So I got up, I was up for two hours in the middle of the night trying to um, deal with this. Um, And it meant the next morning I was dead to the world. I mean, I had had such broken sleep. I'd been up half the night coughing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I should have been getting up with 12 spoons. I got up with about four (laughs) because all night long, cough, 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 cough. So um, this goes right on into, but you were able to do this yesterday. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's That's a thing that when my partner and I first got together, when David and I first got together, you know, he was like, well, you were fine 10 minutes ago. I'm like, yeah, that was before standing. We, 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 this infamously happened when we were at Disneyland. Oh, we were in a very place on earth. Yeah, we were in a very, very long line where it required lots of standstill, walk a couple feet, stand still, walk a feet. And standing on concrete like that is just agony on my feet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we got in line and I was feeling pretty energetic. We just came into the park You know, it was one of the first things we'd gone on. So I had lots of energy. By the time I actually got done with that ride because of standing that line, I had nothing. I was flatlined. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have made it. To and the, and the front. You know, he couldn't understand how, you know, you were fine 10 minutes ago. You're fine. fine what, what? 30 minutes ago. When we got mm-hmm. in this line. I'm like, yeah, but I warned you this line was going to eat me. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> And it's the problem of um, not a lack of empathy, but just like a complete lack of understanding, which is why we want to start with the spoon theory. Is yes. So that if you are listening to this and you've never had a chronic illness, you've just had like the flu or been sick, this is the way that we explain this to people because yeah. it's very hard for people to understand, but you woke up fine or you looked really, really sick yesterday. Why aren't you still sick today right. or an um, hour? Things change for <laughs> things us change. very fast. Yeah. I mean – Depending on what you're doing, if you that, that's why the spoon theory is so good because depending on what you're doing, if you have a lot of spoons and something you do eats a lot of them, suddenly you don't have anything left and it can change on a dime. Um, so uh, some other misconceptions we, we kind of talked about when we were planning this podcast that if you're in a wheelchair, you have to use it all the time. That's one of my favorites. That's one you've dealt with, I know. <laughs> so much. Um, I have a wheelchair and I should use it a lot more than I do. And <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I'm really bad at this. And honestly, it's not an ego issue anymore. It was to start with. Please don't get me wrong. I fought that so much harder than I ever should have fought it. Yeah. The reason I don't use it a lot is because I'm not safe in it. If I'm going to go out and not, I'm not going to com- comment, no comment. There's no Tokyo drifting going on, at least not unless someone has a good video going because I want that on YouTube if I ever get that right. Um, the reason is, is I can use it and I do use it in malls or in big shopping centers. That's safe because it's all one level. Now you will not see many people in wheelchairs out and about in uh-huh. the cities because as much as things have tried to make things better, 
the difference between a sidewalk and the road is so extreme that yeah. I've actually been dumped out of my wheelchair. Me too. Yep. And um, some other fun things, and I swear I will not make this a wheelchair rant, but just so that people understand why things are, are different is whatever's on the ground is on my wheels, which yeah. is on my hands. Do you want to take a moment just to think about that, everyone? Because <laughs> that's so gross. Well, and, and you talk about going to the mall. So yeah. a few years back, I had surgery. And I had to be in a wheelchair because it was a it was ankle or foot surgery, and I had I couldn't walk. This was Christmas time. I was living in Seattle, where it's nice and snowy and wet and rainy, and all this. So crutches are out of the out of the question yeah. because crutches and wet floors, especially wet tile floors, oh, yeah. not a good combination. <laughs> <Been there. laughs> so um, my partner at the time had taken me to the mall um, to go Christmas shopping, mm-hmm. and I got into a store and then found I couldn't get out. Because it was a na- long, narrow store, and it had a oh, channel to get in, but the channel to get out was uh, yeah. sneaking past people that were standing at the register. Yep. And so I couldn't get out. I was waiting in the line. I had to basically wait in the line <laughs> until people moved to get out because people were steadily coming in. And one of my partners went out and tried to stop people from coming in so that I could actually yep. go out the in part. Yep. Nope. They just walked right past me like, hey, he needs the other. Nope. Nope. They would not stop. You're much nicer than me. I've gone over people's feet. <laughs> I couldn't. They were facing the wall. <laughs> so I, oh, I couldn't get, there was, I would have ran over their heels and their heels weren't really run overable. Oh, that's, that's, that's a good point. Yes. They were facing away from me because they were facing the register. So where this got like <clears> a <throat> really, oh yeah, well, you know, it's a real podcast. We cough, we choke. Yes. We're, we're fun. We're sick. Um, what really pissed me off the most was when I saw this meme go, fucking viral and it was the meme of the woman who's standing up out of the scooter it's a store scooter and she's grabbing some alcohol which hey if you need a store scooter you fucking deserve vodka yeah (laughs) and she's standing up to reach the vodka and underneath it says miracle on aisle 13 and it's like oh fuck you really like (laughs) this woman had a hard enough time and talking spoons she spent a lot of spoons just getting to her her car getting to the store and she obviously was not able to walk through the store. Now, here's another thing to think about when we're talking about the people in the um, the carts at the store. If you use a cane or what I use, like the two crutches, mm-hmm. you can't shop in a store because your hands are busy, meaning you cannot hold on to a shopping cart or a basket. So you have to use those scooters. Yeah. Uh, my writing partner for my books, Orion, yeah. she uses one of those little assistive walkers and you know, she tries to put stuff on the seat of the walker, mm-hmm. but you know, if she, when she does that, she now has no place to sit if she gets tired or whatever. Yeah. And so, but she's, she doesn't want to use those because people make fun of her for getting up out of it. Exactly that thing. I still want to use them in, um, a Tokyo dress situation. Oh, like, <laughs> I think you should have more fun than we do. <laughs> no, there's yeah. a little joke in the Eller Stainless community that, you know, you have Eller Stainless if you've ever used a shopping cart as a walker. I do that yep. all the time. Mm, me too. I, I, I don't have Ellis Downless, but I don't go to the grocery store where I'm not leaning on the the cart because mm-hmm. it takes the weight off my feet. Oh, yeah. So Or off my knee. Yeah, I understand that wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we've kind of drift. We keep drifting we, away. We do drift. It was because I started the Tokyo Drift conversation. We yeah, were drifting. Yeah, so yeah, we will yeah. get back to misconceptions, and I'm going to go off the topic because it's one that we started this on because I remember you talking about being told that it must be nice to stay home. And I know that was later on in our plans, but I don't like plans. And that was, (laughs) 
I'm going to keep drifting back to this topic because it was one that just hit home so hard on both sides. I can absolutely understand where someone who's healthy and is exhausted and doing all of the driving back and forth to work and all the exhaustion of work can look at us and go, wow, that must be nice. And then from our side, the fuck you. Are you kidding me? I would do anything to be out there living life and being part of society and everything around. So this was your story. So I'm going to let you tell it. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for this. I hope you you know are. That. I know. I'm sorry. You can you can try to get me divorced in another episode. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't you say when I got here today that, you know, when I said I had a bad couple of days, you were like, are you getting divorced too? I'm like, no, not yet. Now I'm, now I'm worried. I'm going to Okay, be. no, we, we will not call anyone out specifically, but you were told. I was told, you know, it must be, you know, I really wish I could stay home all day like you do. And it's like, I have no social life. You know, you talk about, you go out and you have drinks after work. You go out and get to do all this stuff. I see... Nobody. Yeah. I mean, I, I I see the person that I write books with, you know, on FaceTime all day when we're writing. But you know, that's someone who's in another state. I don't get to interact other than just talking, and a lot of that ends up being tech support. Mm-hmm. Or I come over here and we're <laughs> we're podcasting. Yeah, and that's you once know. a week, or no, not even once a week. Every other week. Yeah, every other week, I actually get interaction, which is really nice. So you know, I don't get a whole lot of social interaction with people where it's social. Yeah. You know, I mean. It's I'm working during those times when I have what little interaction I have, and that's with two people mm-hmm. that aren't my. We're very charming, though. Yes, but the two <laughs> people who aren't my partner that I actually interact with on an even basis, you know, I would love to have. I, I miss having a job where I got to go to work and and yeah, I did work and I worked hard, but I got to talk to people and I got to interact with people, and it wasn't lonely. Yeah, it's very lonely being home all day. It's very, you feel like you're a burden. You feel like, you know, this, all this other stuff's going on in your head and it, it eats at you after a while, you know, especially if you are like, you are like, I, who's worked since we were really little, you know, we've always had jobs. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it is a, a kind of a hidden thing about it that, you know, oh, it must be nice to be home. Well, you know, not really. (laughs) Well, we've done a bunch of interviews so far, and one of the questions that breaks my fucking heart every time I ask it and every time I see it answered is, who would you be if you didn't have this illness? And it makes me realize we're lonely over here, but we're also missing, which means it's not just us missing being a part of society. Society's missing us, too. Yeah. And if you listen to our interviews, if you get to hear from these amazing people, society's missing possible politicians, doctors, um, people who want to get into changing things and being things, you know, we're, we're valuable members of the society and we're not able to, to be there. It's it's a two way street on what's being missed. And the idea that we're at all, um, overjoyed or happy to be out of this is a huge misconception. I ran a business for 10 years that I built from the ground up. I loved that business. I was good at it. And the scratches behind the ear I got every day of, you're so good at this, you're, you're doing something wonderful and important, and you're so good at this, that was the hardest thing to, to lose. Yeah. That's why I stayed, and I even hid my illness for two years. I hid that I had to use a cane for two years. That's a hard one to hide. Mm-hmm. And I did because I was afraid I would lose the business, that I wouldn't be hired. And then for about six months, I wasn't hiding, and people were so wonderful. I didn't lose any business. Yeah. It's amazing how many kind people are out there, but that was a huge, huge thing to give up is that, that worthwhileness of being a part of society. 
And that's one thing I have to say about doing this podcast is the feedback we've gotten from people about how much of a difference we've made. Like the woman you interviewed that Mm. said that me being very candid about my digestive issues was so nice and so helpful to her. You know, those things. (laughs) Thank you you for embarrassing yourself because it helped. (laughs) You guys do not know the feedback we get from you guys for people who are alone and lonely a lot to hear that we're making a difference with this podcast is gold. <laughs> yeah, please remember, Karis and I, we, we don't get out much. Right, we don't <laughs> get out much. you guys tell us that this means something to you, that that can feed us for like a month, month or so. Yeah, like, exactly. Say nice things about us. We, we really do respond to praise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to be the, the, the yes, hard ass here. be the grown-up. I'm going to be the hard ass here and pull us back to the actual conversation we're trying to have We are here. trying to have an important conversation, yes. So um, the next thing that we had on our list of... of misconceptions people have is that if you have a handicap placard, you must be using someone else's because you can't be the one that's handicapped. Of course not. You're too young. You look too healthy. All these other wonderful I mean, I will take compliments on how cute and young I look. I I, (laughs) If you want to come up and tell me that, wow, you look adorable and young and you shouldn't be sick, I I can take a little bit of that. But um, the fact is... I love how disgusted you get. It's not disgust. It's just, oh. Oh, poor baby. Um, <laughs> so I have had this stuff happen before because oh, yeah. I don't look sick. Um, unless you know enough about anatomy to look at my shoulder or my, yeah, I sent the picture of my shoulder over to Kira's because I was, I was gone for three days and it looked like a knee. It, was, it, it did. It, it was. It, it was looked gross. like she sent a picture of her knee. I had to actually pop, I had to like. Think about it for a minute, and then read it. She said that it was her shoulder. Like, oh, I oh, thought that was your yeah, leg. Yeah, that. Um, by the way, I'm actually posting that picture on the blog this Friday. So if you feel an incredible need to like not lose Halloween and have some horror show, <laughs> it'll be up on Friday. Um, but if you don't know enough about anatomy to actually like look and see what's wrong with me, I was a makeup artist for years. I can fake looking rested and healthy if I have to, and I usually do most days. And um, I got out of the car and this woman came up and she was shaking mad and how mm-hmm. dare I park there. And instead of taking a minute and going, maybe I could help her. Maybe I could open a door for her. Um, that would have been nice. Uh, instead, she was just enraged that I was young-ish. I guess I look younger than 40 because I, I don't know how old 40 is anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took my daughter walking around with these my my crutches. crutches and my sticks and... Um, and then she got really bashful and just rushed off. And it was like, you made such a good point. And I'm going to let you say the quote that you read. because <laughs> I found a quote. It, it really put this in perspective on both sides. Because I really do believe, honestly, that most people mean well. Yeah, and the quote was, if a person's displaying a license to park in an accessible parking space, try offering a hand instead of a visual judgment. After all, the people you are graciously intending to defend... Maybe standing right in front of you. Yeah, so that's much nicer than my fuck you feelings at that moment, (laughs) which was, you know what? She probably had had experiences where she needed a handicapped spot and it wasn't available or she had someone in her life. Obviously, she meant well. Yeah. It just was judgy. Yeah. So that's a really good way to phrase that. Yeah. And there was something else kind of on that, too, is just because someone has a disabled placard. Yeah. Um doesn't mean that they automatically get disability. Very, very different things um, to say that, you know, yes, I'm disabled, I have the placard, but getting disability and getting disability Oh, let's insurance. back up for one quick second. Okay. Um, the, just one last thing about that parking spot thing okay. is that it doesn't mean that someone can't walk. 
Right, right. And so even if you see someone jump out of their car and run in, as long as they have that placard, they, the government agrees that they need to be doing that. That could be anything from someone like the person you interviewed who has... Um, no kidneys. Yeah, and is it just cannot guarantee how it goes. It can be me some days where it's just my pot symptoms, where it's my yeah. heart, and I don't know how long I'm going to be able to stand, and I might have to rush back real fast. So just yeah, so if you see somebody that. rush back to the car, they might be rushing back because they're about to fall down. Yeah, yeah, and you don't. I mean, as cute as the ambulance workers are out here, which, <laughs> man, I think that, like, um, there must be a model call for EMTs out here. Damn. Um, I, I like the idea that they're cute. I just don't need to pay the bill. I that since I used to be an EMT. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> um, so, um, just where we were here. Um, oh, I know. I'm so good at getting you off topic. I am I don't know excellent at it. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, so with the, you were just fine yesterday that we were talking about before. Um, two things about that were, you know, some people think that you're just doing it for attention. Mm. Um, like uh, with Munchausen syndrome, which we had to clear up something earlier. We did. I was wrong. I, I will admit it. I was wrong. Munchausen syndrome is someone who fakes his disability for um, attention. Munchausen by proxy is mm-hmm. when they do it to a ch- when they make a child sick yep. to get attention. Yeah, I, so. I was watching too many Lifetime TV movies. <laughs> <laughs> and someday we will talk about the transabled issue. Um, we will not discuss this right now because uh, Kira and have very different views on it. We will totally cover this because that was a big news story. And um, but talking about attention and when I was a teenage girl, because <laughs> God knows everything teenage girls do is about getting attention. Um, that was the big reason that doctors threw me off was obviously she's attention seeking. Mm-hmm. This can't be real because I don't have an answer for it. Therefore it's about attention. Yep. Um, I don't know how many of you are, if you've dealt with this where it's a partner or a parent or a friend accusing you of that, but I can't imagine how hard that would be. To have to fight against the people you love would be so difficult and heartbreaking. I don't think... I mean, I've had people that didn't think it was as bad as I said it was. But I've never had anyone believe that I didn't have anything wrong with me. Um, other than doctors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, until I got that infamous, like, uh, diagnosis when I was 16, I'd already been in pain for eight years by then. So mm-hmm. from 8 to 16, I was in agony and no one could tell why. And then at 16, I finally got a real diagnosis. I was a real girl. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even, like, of the happy moments in my life, it's having my children. It's getting books published. It's my husband. And also getting a real diagnosis. Like, those are, like, the big happy moments. And when it was that I had uh, what was called then reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which was considered the highest. Say that four times fast. No. <laughs> no. Give me wine first. Um, it was considered one the most painful disease, uh, disorders you can have. Mm-hmm. And I was in- instantly sent over to a pain clinic. So from that moment on, there was a real thing to point to. And that made life so much easier. Mm-hmm. And then it was fibromyalgia, which was like uh, sticky. Some doctors were like, yes, we totally get this. You poor thing. Other doctors like, well, you know, that's not really a diagnosis. And then it's LR stainless where I am lucky enough <laughs> that I have actual dislocations that are really gross and visible. And it's uh, a fun really way to get gross. out of it, but it's a good way to get out of social engagements. I don't want to go to. I know you use all the time with me. No, I don't. <laughs> He's lying. He's a horrible liar. Oh, um, <clears throat> so kind of on the tangent on that is, was that um, if you're really in that much pain, it would show. And that's such a big <clears throat> issue. Like if I, I don't know about you, but when I go to the hospital, which I almost never do anymore, <laughs> it's scary. Um, 
I always ask them when they ask me about pain scale, am I talking about my pain scale or yours? Right. I have said that before. Yeah, it's a good line. And by the way, if you are a spoonie, please (laughs) feel free to write that one down because it is um, important. If you've been in chronic pain most of your life, my six is someone else's 10. Yeah, because, I mean, you think about it this way. When your daily life is at what most people consider a four, you know, when you have... I'm sorry, what is this four you speak of? What is this magic? (laughs) Piss off. My most days start at a four. Um, <clears throat> so when my normal day starts at a four on a, if I put it on a kind of a, how it was before yeah, my life before I had pain, my day starts at a four and LP, life before pain. <laughs> yes. Um, so if my day starts at a four, so if I say I'm in a six, that means I'm at someone else's 10 Yeah, because I'm going from my baseline to where I'm at, yeah. not your baseline and what, you know, no pain mm-hmm. baseline. That one, I go off this, ten, I, I go off your 10 scale quick. Or it minimize if I go on their scale, then it minimizes how much pain I'm in. It does, and then you have the problem of a doctor not taking you seriously, or an intake nurse going, "Oh, you're only a six. Why are you here? What's right. your what's your deal?" Um, and there's a lot of pressure not to show pain um, or to show anything that's not a positive emotion. Yeah, and I, there were air quotes on that. You do great air quotes on that because we have, <laughs> but we're, I don't want to quite lose this one yet to go into the Pollyanna versus like oh, the martyr syndrome. I wasn't getting there yet. We, he was so good. He actually writes down this list that I am systematically breaking. So yeah. I feel had, sorry for him. I had a nice organized <laughs> list of this leads into this, this leads into this, and she is jumping all over the board. <laughs> He's a good grown up though. I try really hard to keep us on track because then, you know, people reading along, following along don't have to go what the fuck i just missed something so when you are cursing us just curse me because it's my <laughs> fault getting off topic i'm way too organized i know oh it's good it's a good mix because uh, my organizational <laughs> skills are laughing i'll blame it on the other stainless uh-huh. the, the fibro fog uh-huh yeah um i just wanted to go back real quick to the not showing pain thing because okay. i was raised to be stoic and i am a good stoic when it comes to not showing pain as in, you've heard these podcasts before. I'm assuming this is not your first time, and you've heard Kira's go, "Oh my God, she just dislocated her shoulder or her wrist." That does not mean I'm not hurting. I'm still going to finish this podcast. <laughs> I I have two choices. This doesn't stop. There's no making this better, and there's no planning on or making things so that I won't dislocate. I dislocate by pointing. Mm-hmm. I dislocate by turning around. Sometimes there's no planning this, so it's either I wrap myself in bubble, bubble wrap and I go to bed. And I never leave. And I'll still dislocate there, too. Um, Or I live my fucking life. And I do what I... To the level I can and sometimes way beyond what I can. What happened when I got up off your couch to come over here and start recording? Yeah, yeah. It's Karis popped his knee. And um, I gave him some some of the (laughs) the medical marijuana rub that we have here. She was 15 feet from me. I heard heard that. That was impressive. I gave him a 10 for for (laughs) sticking the landing. Um, (laughs) So we laugh and we shrug it off. And if you've seen me in a hospital waiting room, I don't look like the person who needs to be seen next because I'm not screaming or crying. But that doesn't mean my pain isn't out of 10. It means I have so much practice with pain that I have learned how to do Academy Award winning performances. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I wanted to say to go back to misconceptions, especially if you are one of the really kind medical professionals who are listening to this to get an understanding of the patients you see. If we are not crying or living up to what you think 
pain looks like. Mm-hmm. It is not personal. It's that either a we don't have the spoons to to get it up for you, or <laughs> bad choice of words. No, no, I totally meant it. <laughs> um, or that's a different kind of spoon. Totally different spoon. Oh, mind bending matrix. Okay, um, um, it either means we were not able to have the emotional or physical level to show that level of pain, or we're so practiced with it that we just can't do it. Um, the only time I've actually like gotten to a level where the doctors think I should be at was in labor. <laughs> and it was when I'd asked for get me as close to dead as you can bring me back level of drugs. And they didn't work because Heller stainless doesn't. Yeah. Most of that stuff doesn't work on Heller stainless patients. So natural childbirth is when I actually got to a point where I showed the level of pain <laughs> that they were expecting. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I relate. Yes. Um, so kind of, we missed a couple things when we were talking about, I know it's my nice fault. To, nice my to fault. stay home all day. I'm so bad. Um, um, things like people think we're lazy, that we're a drain on society. We're bad parents cause we're home all day. Oh no, no, but drain on society. Um, <laughs> hello, tangerine and Kendall. No, 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 let's not. Really? Not? No, not, no. Okay. I don't want to go there I right now because that's a whole different conversation. It is and it isn't because what we're looking at is a just dialogue. Are we really going to say dialogue for this? Of a certain amount of people who are saying that those who are sick are not worthy. They're not yeah. worthy of life. They're not worthy of medication. They're not worthy of food. I'm going to leave it there and we will have a whole political diatribe later, but we are talking about misconceptions. And if we're going to talk about misconceptions, we need to talk about a bill that is going up soon in America. If you guys are lucky enough to live elsewhere and are watching this with um, raised eyebrows, uh, they are talking about taking out Medicare, Medicaid. And for those of us who are chronically ill and on disability and are unable to earn a living, this is life. This is life or death now. So I will stop my whole political stuff there, but it was relevant. I was not going off the it, it rails. Is, it is relevant. It's just... It's a long relevant and I Yeah, I mean, we, we, that would be a whole separate podcast because that that's... Oh, can we do politics and disability oh, soon? Geez. Come on, come on, come on. We'll talk about <laughs> it. You might be able to convince me. I don't know. Okay, I will stop with that one. But um, you had other ones here too, which were being lazy and parenting, which was a big one. And for, I'm not going to say for men or for women, I'm going to try not to because there are so many people who have different situations. I will say that I, as a woman, feel an incredible level of judgment that I can't do most of the things that the other moms in my kids' class can do. I can't volunteer in the classroom, I can't do the field trips. I can't yeah. do most of the things. It is really fucking impressive to me that I can get my kids to school. And that didn't even happen all the time because right. I'd be too sick to get my kids to the car and get out. If you're talking about the amount of spoons it takes, not even going to break that down. So I'll give you a little bit of you from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't happened to me, but I do know other people that it has. That, you know, when the father is the one who has the disability and is mm-hmm. home, you know, oh, why aren't you supporting your family? God, yeah, that's... So, yeah. you know, you're supposed to be the breadwinner. You're supposed to take care of your family. Why aren't you doing this? So, you know, some in our society, so much of man's work is take care of your family. So, I'm at home. Your wife is supporting you? <laughs> you know... See, things. this is why we have two people on this panel, <laughs> and we would love to have so many more. Like, we are actively hoping to get more voices in yes. on this because we understand that we are limited to our experiences. Yes. Um, and I will say that there's a lot of that same pressure on women, yeah, especially in the feminist 
Like, (laughs) why aren't you out there doing this? You should be able to have a big job, be the big boss, have these perfect children Children, that you are spending all of this quality targeted non-screen time with. And you didn't (laughs) cook fully organic meal for the, oh my, (gasps) CPS, immediately CPS is Child Protective Service. Yes, we are in California. Um, Well, that's the United States period. Yeah. But but one other thing I want to touch on before we get away from the, Hmm. oh, aren't you lucky to be home thing is something I felt for a long time. And it was a quote that I ran across that really put exactly how I felt into words in a way I've never been able to. Okay. Um, And it's that I'm mourning the loss of the life I lived before while simultaneously fighting friends and family who treat me like it's not real, not that bad, or that I'm being lazy. Oh God. Because, you know, the thing that kind of gets skipped over in a lot of our conversations is this feeling of, I miss the life I had. I miss being able to do things, go out with friends, all this stuff. And while I'm dealing with that, I'm also dealing with all this negative stereotypes, negative perceptions from people around me who think, Mm -hmm. well, why aren't you doing this stuff anymore? Why aren't you out here and giving you a hard time about, oh, well, you had to cancel again, you know, as you've had to do many times, you know, (laughs) you're getting crap for getting, for canceling, but you know, oh, Hey, you think I want to be here stuck in bed? No, Mm -hmm. I don't. And so we can kind of hit double hit with missing the life we had, but also being the bad guy because we're canceling and we can't do things we used to do and friends and family are upset with us. Well, and also being an object of jealousy. So we're mourning something that other people are like, but you have free time. I would do anything to have free time. Trust me, you would not do anything to have free time. No. You would not trade places with someone who is in constant agony maybe you would I don't know you but I will say that there is a huge payoff that I did not sign up to pay (laughs) I did not make this decision I did not and we're going to slide on into that one soon I won't make you go totally off topic anymore I'll be good but we will be discussing that I didn't sign up for this I did not sign up to close a business that was incredibly emotionally rewarding and financially rewarding to be home with free time, which is another issue we were going to talk about. And I remembered to stay on topic (laughs) about points for that. Yes. Um, That there's this incredible feeling, at least for me, because and me, yeah. And you, um, I've always been an achiever. I, I am a pit bull with a goal and to suddenly be from every 15 minutes of my life being decided because I was so scheduled like 60 hour week work weeks to 80 hour weeks. And yeah, I had every minute decided for me. And then all of a sudden nothing, there's nothing except doctor appointments, which, (laughs) um, but there's this incredible pressure to make the most of that time. Yeah. And I make a lot of lists of things that I need to do. And I, I cannot begin to explain how horrible I feel at the end of the day if I've ran out of spoons and I see things still on that list that I wanted to get done that day and I didn't get done. I mean, something as simple today. I wanted to mail off. I, I ordered a book for my co-author and they accidentally sent it to me and I wanted to mail it to her. I spent 30 minutes looking for it and can't mail it off now. And it was one thing, I, I'm having a good day. I'm going to be out of the house for a change. I want to go get this done and I couldn't get it done. And I, normally, you know, life before, I would have like, okay, I can't find it. I'll find it later. I'll send it a different day. But I only get out of the house one day a week on Thursdays. And so I wanted to get it done while I was outside the house because now I know since I didn't find it today, at minimum, it's going to be next Thursday before I can send it because it's the next time I'll leave the house. Yeah, I, I 
what we're dealing with here is trying to explain that I can't drive really like, and the guilt I feel over that is so big. That's like, well, it's only my, seriously, this was a conversation with my husband the other night. It's only my left arm. I can't use. I could still totally drive with my right one. (laughs) Yeah, until Please your shoulder dislocates while yeah, you're driving. Which, you know, my husband was very kind and very sweetly explaining to me that I needed to stop being, because we only have one car, and if he takes the car all day, I have no way to handle an emergency. Um, so well, like, yes, you do. You're just too stubborn to do it. I told you, call me. <laughs> okay, we are not having this fight on air. Yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> God, seriously, my work husband here. Um, I don't live that far away. Call me if you need something, especially if it's an emergency. So do you see how well I'm taken care of? Um, but it, the guilt level gets so insane that you actually start to like convince yourself that maybe you're not as bad as you are. And <laughs> and it gets so um, so that you you can actually start taking some stupid risks. Me driving today would have been stupid, and I never would have ended up doing it. I just felt like I should have offered. How yeah. girl is that? Like, if I at least offer and he says no, it'll at least be I tried. Like, it was such a stupid thing, but it is something I need to acknowledge about myself and this whole thing. It's like I can start fooling myself. Well, I mean, I I had this conversation because you know. I'm already taking care of the house and the three of us and all the animals and maintaining everything and working at writing four days a week. And then I took on doing this. And now I'm possibly taking on another thing to, like... I'm sorry, did he just call me stubborn a few minutes? Anyone who wants to go back a minute or two (laughs) of this podcast and just, like, mark it for when he called me stubborn, feel free. That's fine. Yes, sorry, you were saying you were taking on another thing after you called your students. I might. Yes, yeah. I might. I haven't decided if I'm taking on another thing or not, but it's it's reconnecting with my spirituality. So, you know, it is something that, you know, kind of is important. But still, yes, it is more time. There's so much that's important. But I'm not writing you about it. It is also something to try to get me out of the house a little more. (sighs) What's that like? I mean, is there there something outside the store? I haven't (laughs) seen it in a while. I actually saw the front of my house for the first time in like, I don't know, it had been like two weeks, and I finally saw the front of my house. I'm like, totally forgot that I was growing irises. <laughs> it was such like a revelation. Like, oh my God. You sounded very blonde right there. I just hope you know that. I, you know. Hmm. Um, so anyway, back to our list. I'm, I'm going to stay on my list, damn it. We're going to add OCD to his, his list of, uh, yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So um, the next thing we had is a misconception. It, why don't you just go to the hospital if you hurt that much? Oh, or, uh, who wants to take that one? Can you, I take that one? You're the hospital person. <laughs> um, okay, so I think that there is a very fair, it's a fair misconception. If, it is. If you are used to hospitals as I have broken a leg, I have a heart attack. I have, like, these are definite things that have a definite prognosis, that have a definite diagnosis, and a way of care. And you will get the care you need, most likely. <laughs> like, Usually. chances are. Um, for people who have chronic illness, uh, especially... Hospitals and doctor's offices. <sighs> um, especially rare disorders. So, dislocations, um, especially with Ehlers Danlos, the reason we dislocate is our ligaments don't hold things in. So, if you try to relocate me by forcing it back in... There's going to be mass soft tissue damage. I'm going to be so much worse off than before. And guess what? Every single ER tech will do. <laughs> Try and put it back. Yes. Um, there's ways to do it. It's called trigger release. Go ahead and look it up. Um, it's actually better for everyone who's dislocated, but feel free to look that one up. The thing about hospitals is they might, they usually won't know how to treat you. They are triage. They are 
this is what's wrong. This is how we're going to solve it. And they'll do their best. I'm again, believe everyone means well, (laughs) but if you have something very rare, they've never heard of it and they don't know the best way to make it better. Um, and sometimes there isn't a way to make it better, which is another really hard realization to come to with, with illness. And another misconception is that there are ways to solve this. There are ways to not just make it better. There is ways to cure. I haven't heard the word cure in a doctor's office and for fucking ever. I have heard we've taken you as far as we can go. We're sorry. This is the best it's going to be. Um, but I've not heard the word cure or treatment in a very long time. So the idea that there's a cure or treatment for everything is a misconception. Fibro, EDS, uh, Crohn's, you know, all these things. They're treatment management, but not all those work. Right. And in, in a lot of those cases, even the treatment sometimes is worse than the problem. But that's getting ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, that, that. Now, it's my turn to get ahead of myself. <laughs> See, it's not just me. So, yeah, kind of what I was saying. Medication can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes you have to take one pill for whatever it is that's wrong with you, and then you have to take one or more pills <laughs> to deal with the side effects of that first pill. Yes. Um, <coughs> we've discussed that in depth with opioids, and that yeah. while they are um, a necessary part of at least my life, um, they do have significant stomach issues. Mm-hmm. So you do have to medicate for your medication. So yeah. pharmacies develop really fast in households with chronically ill people. Yeah. That does not mean that we are emotionally addicted to our medication, however. That means that this is the way that we survive. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have something I was going to say and I lost it. Oh, and I can fill in another misconception, <laughs> another big misconception around doctors and hospitals is that they will continue working on whatever it is wrong with you unless without you hounding them. I just saw on my favorite website in the world, Pinterest, uh, I'm on that way too often, um, but there's a meme of Dr. House. And it's like what TV thinks having a chronic invisible illness is like, we will do everything we can, every resource, we will solve this, we will never stop working for you. And the reality, which is, huh, <laughs> Well, um, at best, you'll get the, this is really weird. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, I actually, I, I, we'll, we'll try to find some specialists, maybe. At worst, you get you're crazy, or this isn't a thing, or you are trying to avoid work or school. Or, or even when they, they believe you have it, you know, like my doctor, he's worked on my digestive issues. I've been to so many specialists, and if I don't say something every time I'm in there, you know, and remind him, hey, I went to the specialist you sent me to and we got nowhere. Is there mm-hmm. something else we can do? If I don't say something and be my biggest advocate, it goes nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it, you also are talking about we're here in America. I don't know how it is in other countries, but they have such an intense patient load. Like a GP yeah. sees so many patients a day. And my poor GP is like, he is so nice. I like him so much. Oh, I, I love my doctor travel too. for him. I, I travel way far away for him because he is the only GP I've ever had who takes me seriously. Um, but still, he he loses track of where we're at in what we're trying. And there's some new treatments I want to try, so I actually have to drive back to see if yeah. he knows of anyone who's willing to roll the dice on a very experimental surgery. <laughs> fun, fun. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that another time. But, and, yes. And, you know... As what happened with my knee, you know, these things only get worse when you, as you get older Mm. or if you put on weight, Hmm. because with my knee problem, you know, I had my knee doctor, I, you know, he's like, you need to lose weight. So I, I actually managed to, I, I 
walked a lot. I went on vacation and walked and walked and walked and walked, even though it hurt. I, I lived on Vicodin for two weeks while we were on vacation. And, you know, I got home and I'd lost 30 pounds and I was super happy. And I told him, I said, you know, I, you know, I did what you said. I lost 30 pounds. And he looked at me and just completely dispassionately said, good, now lose another 30. And I was just like, did you really just, <laughs> really? Because all my problems are, of course, because, you know, I'm overweight. It couldn't be because, you know, oh, you know, my knee has never healed right from the surgery. No, no. It couldn't be, you know, the reason I'm not active as you think I should be is, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that my feet hurt all the time. And, you know, walking is like walking on knives some days. Couldn't be it. No. And, you know, I just, I hit 40, which apparently is the medical age for, oh, well, that just kind of happens to everyone. It's like, no, 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 this was not everyone when I was 20. It hasn't changed since I was 20. You just all haven't figured this out in 20 years. Right. Still a problem. And sorry, it's a problem now for everyone else. But it did start way before when I was 20 with the physical problems of a 60-year-old. Yeah. Um... You poor thing. He looks very, very dumb. We might have to end this soon. No, no. It was it, the problem is is that since we bounced all over, I'm trying to remember what we have. And, and again, covered. this is all my fault. I promise it is. It really it, it, is. He was so good. You should see the beauty of this. I'm actually just going to publish this in the notes as is because it, it's really too bad that I'm this horrible and like made it such a mess because it looks beautiful here. So um, I'm looking and I see that we discussed and we wanted to discuss and I wanted to discuss the um, just because I take opioids and medical marijuana does not mean I am a drug addict. Now, I am for the fucking record, not against this being recreational, not the opioids, no. um, but the mar- marijuana that should be recreational. However, I did not do not take this because it's fun and I can't tell you how many people when it, I first started like I think it was like three or four years ago and I started taking this for like oh that's great that you're sick and you can do this that's awesome how fucking cool is it that you get to just walk in and get like a stash and it's like oh, again you don't want to trade yeah definitely not and with the new political climate and it'll be good I promise it'll be good but um he's rolling his eyes at me um insert epic eye roll <laughs> The opioid uh, epidemic that is so widely discussed in many countries, it doesn't mean that I'm an addict because I take this. This is strictly about survival. And yeah. I have been, this is probably going to sound like an addict, um, but I've been using this for so long that I'm very clear on what will alter me and what will be functional for the day. Yeah. And there needs to be a very good dividing line, and that needs to be a discussion with all of these assumptions of invisible illness and chronic illness and opioids. There needs to be a discussion in the media of making a distinction between Vicodin and fentanyl. Yes. These are two very separate things, and they are lumped together, which is really causing a lot of the problems where people are making very big assumptions about other people's medication. Yeah. So I'll leave that there. I'll just drop that there. <laughs> you all can discuss amongst yourselves. Um, so kind of something we touched briefly on earlier that I wanted to go back to. Um, everybody feels pain. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I, I hurt or I've been sick. Oh, that was and what you want to talk about, yes. Do, you understand, okay, like when, you have a, when you're really, really sick, you've had a really bad flu, whatever, mm-hmm. and you know how hard it is to get out of bed that day, and – you know, if you have it for a week or whatever, oh my God, I just felt so miserable that entire week. Now take that and make it your entire daily existence every day for life. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about is it's different when it's every day. It's not just once in a while. It's not just for a few days. 
every day feels like that. Every day is your body aches. You have pain that just, you didn't do anything. It just hurts. I wake up in the morning and before I even move, you know, I take my CPAP mask off and I'm laying there and my feet feel like someone is squeezing and crushing them. And that's just, I haven't moved. I haven't walked. I haven't done anything. I didn't do anything the day before to, to bring it on. That's just every morning when I wake up. How dare you wake up? I know, right? <laughs> well, that's something that we've talked about in um, other episodes with other people is that there's a problem with things like calling things uh, exhaustion. Um, that doesn't cover it. It doesn't, it should be, there needs to be a different word for it mm-hmm. because people think that they understand it when you say chronic pain. Oh, I've had headaches before. Okay, but you haven't had systemic migraines before. <laughs> Those are very different things. And yeah. that's not to say that someone's bad for thinking that they understand that. It's just a lack of education. Yeah. And it's a problem with wording and phrasing. Yeah. English language is very, very unspecific in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because we don't have. Some languages have different words for different kinds of things, whereas we just have pain. Other people have, like, this kind of pain, that kind of pain. There are different words so that you understand. This is this. This is that. English lumps so much into one word at times that it doesn't do it justice. No, and it, it doesn't injustice to, I mean, I guess we need a new word, like, fucking hell, oh my god, I'm going to die. This is <laughs> awful. And if you are my father, you could probably fit all that into one breath. But... <laughs> be a word i think right that can be a new word for pain like dear god why am i doing this dear god why me i think it's just perfect right there <laughs> oh and that's gonna transition I've, into something. i've said that phrase more times dear god yeah, why me, why me? <laughs> I, I yeah i must have been horrible in a past life to deserve this much pain because i didn't do anything what what were we in a past life it must have been yeah. really really bad like <laughs> impressive like paul ryan bad Sorry. hey hey <laughs> you said you were gonna stay away from politics when are you I realize I lie. I lie. I know you lie. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> All right. So one thing that I want to transition into, I don't want to lose this because it was really near and dear to my heart is that I did nothing to deserve this. I did not eat the wrong food and I got this sick. I did not. This is not I smoked and I got lung cancer, although I know plenty of people got lung cancer without smoking. Um, this th- There is a misconception that I think a lot of people have that I could have avoided chronic or autoimmune illness. And if you had just done X. And that's a lot of pressure to put on me, by the way. And to put on anyone. Like, that's a lot to say if you hadn't done this, or if your mother hadn't done this, or if you just do this now. Mm. <laughs> um, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, and um, you were talking about, you know, kind of going off of that that there's a lot of pressure to be happy and be mm, inspiring and Pollyanna. <gasps> yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we me. should be either Pollyanna or crying all the time. There is, you can't be a normal, you can't have it be a normal person. You have to either be, everything's fine and I've got no problems or, Oh my God, my life is shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair. I'm impressed at how low the bar for being inspiring got set the second I got sick. It was like, oh, she got up today. So inspiring. Oh my God. She's not actively trying to kill herself. I'm inspired. Thank you for being inspired. By the way, if you're saying the bar that low for me, I appreciate it. I will trip over it. Um, it's fantastic. She, will. she tripped over everything. <laughs> 
Um, it's a little weird, though, because I try to use that word for someone who made a decision and a choice. And I did not fucking make this choice. I am not so inspiring and brave that I would check the box for nonstop screaming levels of pain and still trying to live a life otherwise. That's not something I am brave enough to choose. Like, to me, inspiring is someone like Moala, who's like, fuck the ISIS, screw this. I am, fuck the Taliban. I am going to get an education. I'm going to educate everyone else. And I know the risks and I'm going to do this anyway. That's inspiring to me. I just, I I guess I have a little bit of an issue with, trust me, I'm not so inspiring that I would make a choice to be this, this bad off. Yeah. Um, As far as Pollyanna goes, I, unfortunately, to my, my wonderful son's viewpoint, I uh, default at, I think he calls it relentlessly optimistic. I think those are the words he uses. (laughs) So I, unfortunately, for the people around me, do default to Pollyanna 98% of the time. I think there's maybe three people who've seen me fall apart on this. Mm. And it doesn't happen often. And honestly, it's not that it doesn't happen often because I don't feel it. I hide it. It's, Every once in a while, I throw a temper tantrum, and it's so painful and exhausting to cry. (laughs) And to do the why me is so tiring. I have so much else I want to do that I just can't quite, we can't quite get it up for that. Yeah. He's going to punch me if I say that one more time. No, no. I I had a bout recently of why me, why me, this hurts, why me. And I actually showed it to David, and I felt like such a failure for showing him that I was hurting that bad. And you wonder why we all get so good at stoic. Like, it's almost like we feel responsible for all of you non spoonies to keep you comfortable. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but like if I actually showed someone what level of pain this is, first off, no one would do anything around me. They'd be so scared (laughs) and they would be just like hovering. And which I hate the hovering so if I showed everyone, yeah. So if I showed everyone like what this actually felt like all the time, I wouldn't get anything done. Yeah. Because it's this bad. It really is this bad all the time, and no one would do anything because they'd just like be doing the big, wide, concerned puppy dog eyes and like trying to get me things. Yeah. Which but, sweet. But remember, it, not only are you a saint and inspiring, oh, but <laughs> your yes. partner is oh, thank such you for a not letting saint. Us forget this. this is why he's the organized one. Yes, I, this was like my this was underlined like by me twenty times. So of course I forgot to mention it. Oh, but, I hadn't. Yeah, I know you're good. You're good. Um, That's you, why I'm here. Keep you on track. That's the only here, reason I'm here. Keep you, you on track. <laughs> So, listeners, do I smack? Do I not smack? No, I will dislocate my wrist. Um, so, this is important, and we are both going to go over this. Um, yeah. I am married to a saint, <laughs> so I don't know if I can even discuss this, because he is um, halo and wings and sets the bar way too high for all of my friend's husbands, um, sick or not. But I do get told what a saint he must be to deal with this, mm-hmm. and... I would like to, um, you know, polish my own little halo. I'm awfully entertaining to live with. I am not boring. I promised him that when we got married. I like, you will never, ever be bored. However bad that is, you are not going to be bored, sir. And um, I was lucky enough that we had been friends for years before we got married. So he'd already seen all of this. He had seen it all up close. He knew what he knew what he was signing. But that doesn't stop people from telling him what a good guy he is for taking such damaged goods. <laughs> I'm lucky. I hide mine a lot better than that. Most people don't realize all the things I deal yeah. with. So David and Scott don't have to deal, I don't think, with that that much. 
that, oh, you must be a saint for dealing with this. I don't think they have to deal with that because I'd say probably, I mean, some people know I have some digestive issues and the dairy issues, but they don't realize the amount of pain that I'm in all the time and yeah. stuff like this. So I don't think they have to deal with that as much, thankfully. Um, and, and, you know. And Stu has to deal with it because he has to let the people he works with know. Right. Because there are days where he gets a call. Your wife's in the hospital. You have to you have right. to get to the hospital now. Um, your wife's heart just is like, <laughs> she's on the ground. You have to get home and take care of, or pick up the kids. Or, you know, there's been massive dislocation. She can't get out of bed. You have to come home and help her. Like, these are the calls he can get. And right. so the people around him do have to, like, be aware that he might get called away suddenly. <laughs> right. And, you know, kind of... With, a, with us being inspiring kind of thing. <laughs> We're so inspiring. We don't want to give up. We don't, we do make an effort to smile, to laugh, pretend everything's okay, look our best, and try and enjoy life as much as we can. I mean, it's... Hey, I brushed my hair before you got over here, I, so... Yes. I mean, I was, I was, uh, yeah. But it's a double-edged sword, though, because, <laughs> I mean... By what we end up doing by trying to look our best and not show how much we're hurting yeah. is we feed into that that presumption, that assumption that well, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you because we we put this big game face on that. Hey, we're doing okay. We're not in agony over here, and so we end up perpetuating the myth that well, you have this thing and you're functioning just fine. Okay, and you brought up something that I hadn't even thought of, which is that sometimes we want to forget, too. Like, yeah. If we aren't reminded by you sometimes, and not to say that you shouldn't be nice to us, and I'm not speaking for every sick person out there, but I am saying that sometimes it's nice to pretend for a second. That we're not sick. Yeah. That, you know, just to be a person and not be a person who... It hurts to walk. Mm-hmm. Who could dislocate at a moment's notice? Ah, uh, yeah, just throw that in there. Um. <laughs> you know, a person who can go out and have dinner and for a minute, just not, you know, go someplace that I know is safe so that I don't have to look at the menu and go, okay, not, it's not what do I want, it's what is safe for me to eat on the menu. That, that being able to go to a restaurant, that's why I love going overseas to like the UK. The menu actually has nice little numbers on it showing what the allergens are. So I can glance at the menu and know instantly what's safe for me to eat. And to not have to have a 10-minute conversation back and forth with the kitchen to find out what's safe for me to eat. And I can forget for a moment that, oh, yeah, I have this thing that can make me very, very sick if I eat out. To be able to just not have that be a big issue is priceless. Yeah. I mean, even, like, down to, for me, what friends' houses I can go to are so... Because I've gotten so much significantly worse. And, like, even since the time you met me, I've gotten much worse. And if I'm going over to someone's house who does not know me well, does not feel comfortable with everything that goes on, or has stairs. Um, I have stairs, but thankfully not many. Yeah, I can, I can kind of, well, you see me try to get out of your house. But yes. yeah, that's fun. That's, that, that should be a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> but I need to be somewhere where if I have to lay down on someone's floor and put my feet up on their sofa, it's not a big deal. And they'll just keep talking over me or step over me or something. I, it's really down to things like that because I don't get to really even go out at night anymore. <laughs> so it's, it's mostly just trying to feel comfortable in places. So when we disappear from people's lives, we, it's not necessarily that we don't like you unless you're an asshole or voted for Trump. In which case, yes, we don't like you. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't help. I'm political. Um, 
But most of the time... What you missed missed when she said (laughs) the yeah was me putting my face in my hands. He does that so often, I don't even mention it anymore. Um, But it's not that we don't like you or we don't want to spend time with you. It's either that we don't know you well enough to know how you're going to take it or we've just disappeared from everything. Yeah. In which case, hey, call and see if we need groceries, but... (laughs) Yeah, and that's, that's something that I think is important to kind of end this on this message Mm -hmm. is just because you haven't seen us in a while, we might be in pain. We might be stuck at home for whatever reason. Reach out to us (laughs) because we're so feel so alone at times that something as simple as a friend calling saying, how are you doing? Or a quick text message. How are you doing? Can really like make a difference between a bad day and a good day. Oh, can I say something real quick before we end? Cause you just brought up a really important point. Sure. As far as misconceptions and judgment calls, don't judge some of social media use. Yeah. Because sometimes that's the only lifeline they have to the outside world. Just a quick little mention there, because I've heard a lot of people go off on, like, people just, like, with their face in their phone, and they're not socializing. It's like, um, <laughs> for some of us, that's the only socialization we get. Well, and I can't speak for you, but I know when I'm hurting really bad... I will play games on my phone because it distracts me from how much I hurt. Okay, so I actually had to take the games off because I stopped writing and drawing entirely <laughs> because it was like the jewel game. Was like, oh, God, yeah. Oh, my it's God. It's something that's mindless. It takes your mind off of how much you hurt. Yeah. But I, I really want to kind of Yeah, we need stress to wrap that. up. And, we do yeah. want to stress that. But I want to really stress that just because we discredit your life doesn't mean we don't want to talk to you. doesn't mean we don't want to interact with you. But sometimes it's hard for us because, you know, I know for, I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. <laughs> I feel like don't I'm being, dare. I feel like I'm being a burden on people when I'm always yeah. the one reaching out because I'm not talking to them because I'm sick and I'm at home. And so I feel like if I constantly am calling you and saying, Hey, do you want to do something? Hey, I I'm just thinking about you. I know you're busy and everything, but reach out to me occasionally. So I don't, cause I already feel alone all the time at home and having someone reach out to me and say, Hey, I was just thinking of you. It can make a difference between a good day and a bad day to me. I actually cried the other day because someone I hadn't talked to in forever just called. like, I know you can't talk for a long time. I just wanted to say it's been a while and I miss you. Do you have just a minute? How do you feel about just chatting for a minute? And I had the fun. I actually cried because I adore this person. Mm-hmm. We hadn't actually talked in over a year mm-hmm. because I hadn't called. Now, another thing I'll say about all that is when you're making plans with a spoonie, Please say, um, I understand if you need to cancel. Yes. I will not judge you because that is half the reason why I don't reach out to people is because it's like, well, fuck. If I reach out to you and I know you're busy and I know you have a career and I know you've got stuff going and kids and other things that you could be doing and then I have to cancel on you last minute. Yes. I feel horrible. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot on me. So I barely will make any plans that do not involve my house anymore because I'm like, shit, I don't know. And I know you have a life, but if you call me and say well not you because i don't know you and that'd be a little scary um <laughs> but if you do know me <laughs> and you are like hey i'd love to do this with you on this date when i know someone can drive you there and if you have to cancel no big deal i'll come to you which someone just didn't again i cried because she did and she said yeah. she would come over here if i needed to i was like oh, thank you but you're right we do get super lonely it's amazing how lonely this can be yeah. and how dark it can get quick when you are alone for those six hours eight hours while everyone else is gone yeah or you know you're stuck in bed like you were for several mm-hmm. days several days and it's even worse because yeah. then you can't even like get up and 
do anything. So you feel mm-hmm. even worse. And, uh, the whole idea of like getting to be your best friend and, you know, in my head is a crowded and noisy space. Yeah. <laughs> Too much time in there. Ooh, not good for anyone involved. Nope. All right. All right so we're going to end. Yes. Before I get us even more off track and yes. start doing another political diatribe. <laughs> um, All right. So until next week, be kind. And be gentle. And be a badass. And be a fucking badass.